Welcome to another edition of The Owen Show. I am Owen Burke, joined by Tim Hunt, per usual. Week 4, Episode 4. Talking about Week 4 in the NFL on Episode 4. I love that we're lined up. It makes it easy to keep track of. Oh yeah, easy. No math to be had. No. Always a beautiful thing. Because I feel like we never record at a decent time. It's either early or it's late. My brain's not here for the math at that point in time. So, Week 4, Episode 4. Got a lot of games to talk about. I uh, got a couple fan questions before we get into everything, but just a preview for you, we are doing a little, a couple things different today. No Rookie Watch today, we will be doing our quarter season awards, so giving us, giving you guys our MVP, DPOI, all that stuff for the four, first four weeks of the season. Uh, hot and Cold is still in, Pump the Brakes is still here, and then pick one. We're going to talk about some of our hot takes that we've had yeah. over the over the four weeks so far. And try to try to do some self review. It's always good. Got to keep it fresh. Got to make sure we're being held accountable for the things we say. Because sometimes we say some pretty weird shit. Yeah. So some of it is not uh, not very pretty. <laughs> not times. not at all. So our first fan question comes from to us from uh, Demario in Columbus, Georgia. He said, "Hey Owen, my question to you is, what are your thoughts along with Tim on this top 15? Um, so we got sent a picture. It's got the top 29 players on the screenshot. We're just going to talk about the top 15. To run through this 15 for everyone so you kind of get a picture of what we're looking at. From 15 to 1, I'm going to go from the bottom to the top. These are This is the list, and then we're going to talk about it. So we have Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, CP3, Jimmy Butler, PG, AD, Dame, Embiid, Jokic is at 7, James Harden's at 6, Luka's at 5, Curry's at 4, KD at 3, LeBron at 2, and Giannis at 1. So, there's a lot of weird things at this list. First of all, doing a list of all the players in the NBA I feel like is a lot harder than a lot of people think it is. Yeah, yeah like, there's a lot to take in there. We sit here and like rip this list apart, but I'm like, I have no idea how I would like try to compare Joel Embiid and Chris Paul. Like, they right. do... They're, they're such different stages of their career. They do such different things for the game. The health there is completely different. And that's that's another thing. It's like health is a huge thing. Joel Embiid is at eight on this list. And while I don't have any beef with that to start, if he's going to miss 10 to 20 games a year, I don't know if I want that guy at eight. Also, another thing, talking about health that I'm sitting here and I just realized, Kawhi Leonard is nowhere to be found in this top 29. Yeah, which, which is, is wild that he's going to play. I wouldn't probably have him in my top five because of the injuries. It's a guy that's going to miss 20 to 30 games. You which, can't deny he's a top 10 player at the very least. If though. he's playing if he's playing 82 games, he's top five, 100%. But when's the last time that Kawhi Leonard played 82 games? I don't think it's happened since San Antonio. Well, he won't because he's because he's doing the load management the load or anything like that. Which, but. which for five to ten games, I really don't have any issue with. Right. For... 20, like, 15 to 20, I feel like it becomes an issue. That's a quarter of the season at that point. Like, yeah. You're playing 82 games and you're missing 20, dude. That is literally, like, a fourth of the games that you should be playing. You are not out there. And I'm surprised that more players, like, I'm surprised PG's not upset about it or that the Clippers aren't. Like, as much as I want Kawhi Leonard here, like, a fourth of the season? Like, imagine if Tom Brady was like, I'm just not going to play for five games. I, I yeah. just, I think the NBA is different. I think it is completely star-driven, and I think the Clippers, everyone on the Clipper roster knows 
without Kawhi Leonard, they're not a finals caliber team. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So you will tolerate a lot of that extra stuff. I think that's the same reason the Nets tolerate a lot of the Kyrie stuff. Yeah, true. Very, very true. So to start with this, I don't think Giannis is number one on this no, list. not even close. Maybe like... You're like coming off the off-season storylines, maybe right now, but like yeah, this is that that would be what I would say about this list. It's the vastly overreaction to the way last season went. Like yeah. CP3 had a great year last year. He, he's not better than some of the players. He's not better than Donovan Mitchell. I mean, everyone would take Jason Tatum right now over CP3. Yeah, great player, but just this is a complete overreaction to. What is fresh in our mind? Yeah, and right Kyrie now. and Russ fall at nineteen and twenty, respectfully, um, and then CP three is all the way up at thirteen. Yeah, I'm like I can't. I, I love CP three; he played well, but like he's not a tip top fifteen. Player it's in the it's so right it's so tough to. I mean, he's another guy that's so tough to rank because everything that he does, or not everything, but a majority of the things that he does that you pay him for do not show up on a stat sheet. They're very hard to yeah. grade, and that's why he's great on these young teams. Like that's why in OKC he was great, and he's great with this young team in Phoenix. Yeah. Like he does really well with young players. I don't think that makes him a top fifteen player in the league right now. There's just so many guys out there right now that are great players that I, I you just can't put them that high. Yeah, my top three is still LeBron, KD, and then Giannis probably. Um, LeBron is still like it's very weird because I think at this point right now we might be entering a stage where Kevin Durant can outplay LeBron James. When they're not on the same court, night in, night out, you know, they both yeah. have a game this night, this night, and this night, where Kevin Durant might outperform him night in, night out. But if you're asking me, if I was a betting man, put your life on one NBA player to go out there and dominate tonight. I am still taking LeBron James. And I may be a fool for that, but it is what it is. Yeah, I, w- I would take KD right now uh, would be over LeBron. Would I, would, I, I, I have no issues. issues. I, I think he's number one. Uh, I think LeBron is aged a little bit and it's showed a little bit. I mean, he's still an amazing player. And when I say, like, LeBron is aged, like, I say he's aged for LeBron, not yeah. like an average NBA player. Tom Brady or... is aged as well. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's... I went from throwing 5,000 yards to 4,500 yards. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it's a tempered expectation for what we expect out of LeBron, yeah. but like LeBron is still easily a top three player in the league right 100%. now, without, without question. Yeah. Um, the the rest of this list, it gets really dicey from like 5 to 10, 5 to 12 even. Yeah. You have Luka Harden, Jokic, Embiid, Dame, AD. First, I want to come back to 14. So 14 is Donovan Mitchell, and then 15, 16, 17 is Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Trey Young. Jason Tatum is the best player out of those four young guys. If yeah. any of those four guys are in the top 15, it is Jason Tatum. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that. Um, <coughs> Carl Anthony Towns all the way down at 23. I'm like, uh, I used, I was not a fan of Cat at all. We were only supposed to talk about the top 15 on this. Yeah, one. it is what it is. But like, I feel like Cat should be top 15, in my opinion. Oh, like, no way. No shot. I might be overrating him a little bit, but I do think 23 is a little low for Cat. You have um, to, for me, you have to look at what a player is able to do when it comes to trying to lead their team to the playoffs and push them somewhere. Carl Anthony that's Towns. That's the last player I want to look at for that. Yeah, stats. exactly. <laughs> like, Carl Anthony Towns has had a lot of talent around him. Like, he feels like the kind of guy who's just good because he's in a bad situation. I feel like I don't know what the issue is in Minnesota at this point. They've had the talent. Like, you can't blame coaching at a certain level because I have Cat. 
D'Angelo Russell, and a lot of young role players. Right. And I'm still finishing with 20 wins a year. Like, yeah. I think it's time to move the franchise. That's my opinion. Oh, you think it's Minnesota? I think, well, I don't know if it's Minnesota, but I don't know what else it is. They've got the talent. They had a decent head coach at one point. Like, it's just, you run down the list of certain things. Like, you can't tell me that Cat, D'Angelo Russell, and all these young guys, I'm not going to try to sit here and list them because a majority of their guys are young, can't go win basketball games. Yeah. It doesn't, you, that team should win at least, I should at least see growth. Yeah. And at least give me 30 to 35. They're stagnantly still in the cellar. Like, Ricky Rubio is still their best player. Right, Which yeah. is nowhere near the case. It, it makes, yeah, that, that franchise makes no sense, but. So, this list isn't great. But at the same time, like I said, I would not want to sit here and try to make up my own because I think trying to rank the top 15 players in this league accurately is extremely tough to do. We, right we might try to do something like that at some point. but I mean, Once we get towards the NBA season and we're talking a lot more about basketball, we, yeah. might, we might try to tackle that. But we're just tapping the preseason right now, so we're not going to touch on it too much. Um, our next one, our next question comes from Brian in Jones Beach Island, New York. Shout out, New York. NYC. Um, he said, um, "Why is Shaq never considered in the goat convo when he is the goat center?" Also, love your show, Owen, and please continue to do BDL as a whole, no matter what. If y'all have your own show, it is the best part of the podcast, in my opinion. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so, Shaq not being considered in the goat convo, I think, is a separate question. But before we answer that. Him being the GOAT center, I don't think is a lockdown thing in my in my mind. There is a lot of good centers that have played in the NBA. People go to Shaq, and when you're talking about the most dominant center, the most dominant player of all time, yes, it is Shaquille O'Neal. And the fact that you can look at what he did in Orlando and be like, that's not even the best part of his career, that's terrifying because he was extremely good in Orlando. But that three-year, four-year run with the Lakers when he was at 300 pounds, when he literally could just do whatever the hell he wanted to around the basket, is probably the most dominant player of all time. But I don't think it's a it's a common consensus that he is the best center in the league because you have to look at guys like... I put guys like Hakeem Olajuwon in this conversation. I think David Robinson might be in that conversation. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is definitely here. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell... There's a lot of good. Some people flex Tim Duncan down in the center spot. I yeah. I consider him more of a power forward in the long. He's run. probably more of a four than he is a five. Yeah, but definitely in that conversation as well. If you were to consider him a five, so there's a lot of good centers. I think Hakeem Olajuwon is is extremely underrated in my opinion. Yo, absolutely. I mean, it, just from a historical point, that it's it's tough for people who you didn't grow up seeing and understanding the greatness of someone. It's also very hard for my generation to try to decide who the best center of all time is. When right. you look at the centers of today's game, first of all, they're very, very different from what the best centers were 20 to 30 years ago. And that's just 30 years ago. That's just the 90s. That's a crazy statement to make. But also, you look at the centers that played before then, and then... You look at the how many centers are in the league right now that are dominating and playing at a high level. You have Embiid, Jokic, and then you, it's there's a severe drop off yeah. to maybe like Bam, Cat, and then you have your specialists like Rudy Gobert who still makes a lot of money. So let's get to the root of the question: Why Shaq's never considered in the goat conversation? A center will never be the no. goat. It just isn't a position that has. I mean, at one point it was a very high value position. It's obviously, as we've gone forward, been devalued significantly. Yeah, you can could, you could see it in the draft history. Like, the yeah. Portland Trailblazers took Sam Bowie at two in the 1984 draft because 
They're like, we really like this Michael Jordan kid, but you don't win an NBA title with a guard. Right. You win a title with centers. That's why... I'm trying to remember who went one in that draft. Was that Elijah one that went one in that draft? I think it was. Yeah, it might have been. I think it was Elijah one that went one, Sam Bowie went two to the Blazers, and then Michael Jordan went three to the Bulls. So that was that was that was literally their reasoning for not taking Michael Jordan in the draft. Is yeah. you your best player is not a guard. That's not a championship team. Your best player has to be a big man. It'll it'll always be wing players. Yeah. I mean small forward. And Michael played like shooting guard, small forward, but and and so a center will basically never be in that. It would. It's going to take like a a Shelly, a Shelly Otani, Patrick Mahomes level center playing fifteen to twenty years without yeah. injury issues. Which is there's a lot of what ifs there to to make that happen. So, and it's just another thing is like you look at the three guys that you have to put him in the conversation with, and he's not on that level. I can't put him on the same level as Kobe. I Kobe's still at three for me. I don't care what anyone says. For some reason, he passed away, and everybody bumped him down to seven on their lists. Yeah, I don't know what happened. But Shaq's only eighth on the all-time scoring list. Yeah, only eighth is still a really good career for a center. But I mean, yeah, not not quite to the level that you would expect. Where's Carl Malone at on that list currently? Number two. Is he two still? Yeah. Isn't it ridiculous that Carl Malone is second all-time in points scored? And he never led the league in scoring a single time. In his That's career. crazy. Man, That's disrespected, honestly. Yeah, that is a that is a testament to Michael Jordan. And how much he could put up night in, night out back in the day. So, Shaq Sack is doing tonight. Go combo just because it's hard for a center to get there, I think is our baseline. Base, answer basic answer to that, yeah. Um, third question comes to us from Malik in College Park, Georgia. Shout out Malik. Um, there's a picture he sent me. It's a guy that tweeted The 3 1 comeback from the Cavs is severely overrated. Draymond and Bogut missed key games, and Curry was 60% at best. I think we're just we're nitpicking at something that doesn't need to be nitpicked at. It's the greatest finals comeback in NBA history. It's the greatest comeback in American sports history. You look at 28-3 in the Super Bowl, the Falcons and the Patriots, and then you look at this 3-1 lead. And the fact that it happened is insane. The fact that I was alive to see it is nuts. I mean... I don't even have words to try to put around exactly what LeBron James was able to do on that basketball court for those seven games. He was on a completely other planet. And you could try to say that Curry missed, you know, Curry was 60%. Bogut and Draymond missed games. Well, Kevin Love missed games. Kyrie and LeBron were out there playing. And their fourth player was like Matthew Delvedover or Tristan Thompson. Yeah. You remember where this team was, where the two teams were at at the time. LeBron James and the Cavs were the underdogs, and the Warriors are coming off a 73-win season, the most wins in a single regular season of all time in NBA history, more than the 72-10 and 10 Bulls by one. And they were 15-0. and 0. They had not lost a single playoff game up into that final series. I believe that might have been the year before. I could be wrong about that. Oh, yeah, it was, because they got pushed to... To yeah. seven games by OKC in the West Conference Finals. Yeah. I think that was the year after in 2017 where they beat the Cavs 4-1, but they didn't lose another playoff game the entire way through. Yeah. So this Warriors team was just that good. Like, yeah. And and the other part that I'll add to that is Draymond Green was suspended for Game 5. Yeah. Not hurt, but because he was Draymond Green, he got suspended for a flagrant follow for Game 5. Yeah. So that's really his fault, not yeah. really anything that the Cavs are, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not a destiny thing. Um, 
It's the only time it's ever been done in NBA Finals. So therefore, it can't be overrated because there's nothing to compare. There's to. nothing to compare it to. And also, my my new favorite saying is I saw this on on TikTok. I think last week they were talking about players. It was I think they were talking about fantasy players. My new favorite saying is like take away what a player does best, and all of a sudden they don't perform as well. Like they're talking about like fantasy running backs. You're like if you take away the three eighty yard touchdowns he has. He's just not as good. And it's like, right. So if you take away the explosibility and the big playability from this guy, he's not as good. Yes. Take away what a player does best and he's not as good as he was before. Of course. You're like, I can't look at this what-if scenario every single time. We don't yeah. have time. We were to review the last 10 to 15 finals and we were allowed to talk about what-if scenarios. I could do three Owen shows just to cover the first ten, the last ten finals. Probably, yeah. If we covered every what if, or like what if Curry didn't do this, or what if, what if Kyrie didn't leave, or what if this, and what if that, you have to look at what happened. Right. The Warriors were up three one. The Cavs won three straight, and they went home Finals champions. That was the bottom line. LeBron James was the first player to ever lead both teams. In points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. If if we were ranked players from that game, LeBron James won, so you have one Cavalier. Yeah. And then it would go Steph, Clay Thompson, so then two and three go to the Warriors, and then you have Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie. at four, and then I would argue that you would take probably at that time Draymond, Draymond 100% over, over Kevin Love. Yeah, yeah. Like you would fill out that roster, and then you would get Kevin Love somewhere in there. And then it would be a lot of the Warriors role players and, like, none of when, the Cavs. Yeah, when you take health into it, I would take Draymond and then I'd take, like, Iggy Dalla. Then Kevin Love, maybe, like, the seventh spot. Yeah. And then there's, like, six Warriors. Then Tristan Thompson. There's the other three Warriors and then the Cavs bench. Right, so exactly, yeah. when you look at it, it's a 73-9 and nine Warriors team. LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and Matthew Delvedova. Like... It's impressive, no matter how you look at it. Don't so. even get me started on the finals teams that, like the finals that happened after that. People try to talk to me about the 2017 finals. Like, how can you still say that 2018 Braun was best when he got swept in the finals? They lost three one. I'm like, look at the graphics. There's Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Golden State logo behind him. And then I have LeBron James, Tristan Thompson, and Kyle Korver. You, know? you look at that picture and you tell me. Like, how can you still think LeBron's the best? Yeah. He lost 4-1. The fact that he stole a game with those two guys in that graphic is insane to me. I think I think SNL was doing skits that year where it was like... <laughs> we're the other Cavaliers. We're the other Cavaliers. I remember that. And it was like, thanks, LeBron. Like, literally, like, you know it's bad when SNL is like, wow, that team sucks. Yeah. And LeBron is just that good. Yeah. I remember that skit. He was like, I do LeBron's laundry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I pick up his dry cleaning for him. It was just like... I'm really good at the pick and roll when I roll to the dry cleaners <laughs> and pick up his dry cleaning for Exactly, him. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Legendary. So, our last fan question that we have, our football, our only football fan question this week, why is nobody talking about how good Josh Allen is playing and why is nobody paying attention to the Bills even though the competition has looked as easy as it is? It's still impressive. They are... One of the only three teams in NFL history to pitch two shutouts in the first four games. The other two teams, one of them, I don't remember who the first one was. The second one was the 2000 Ravens. Both of the other teams that have done it in NFL history went on to win the Super Bowl that year. The Bills are not the third team to do it. Um, So it's definitely impressive. A lot of people aren't talking about it. 
Um, honestly, I think it might. It's got to be the competition at this point. When I look at what the Bills have done through four games, first of all, they should be 4-0. The Steelers should not have beaten them. Yeah, one. it was kind of a fluke game. That's an issue. Um, and then also you look at the two shutout games that they played. Let's just look at the quarterbacks. I'll look at the quarterbacks from all four games here. I had Ben Roethlisberger. First of all, he shouldn't have lost that game to Big Ben. That's on you. Josh Allen has to score more than 16 points in that game. If he's as good as he says he is, that aging Steelers defense should not have beaten you. Two, the Dolphins. Tua went down. I'm playing Jacoby Brissett for three quarters. Third game, Washington. I'm playing against Taylor Heineke, who was a practice squad quarterback finishing his bachelor's degree eight months ago. And then week four, Davis Mills, who was a rookie, fourth or fifth round pick out of Stanford last year. Now you play the Chiefs this week. This is the limits test. Yeah, this I think is, if yeah. they come out and they can beat the Chiefs by more than a touchdown, I think we'll start talking about the Bills a lot more. And I know everyone's saying he's playing really well. He's not even top 10 in passing yards right yeah. now. He's at 1,055. Derek Carr's leading the league at like basically 1,400, 1,399. But yeah. um, he's not top 10 in passing. He's thrown nine touchdowns, which is impressive. But against Still, the teams he's played, isn't actually that impressive. Yeah, and you also look at... Tom Brady's on 10. I think Patty's got 11. Like, there's guys that still have more than you. Yes. Like, that, yeah. the nine touchdowns don't lead the way by any stretch. Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, uh, and then he's tied with, like, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Cousin. Like, it, he's not, he hasn't done anything to, like, separate the butter from the cream. Yeah. You know what I mean? He hasn't risen to the top exactly this year. That's why he's not getting as much love. And I think it's also the media attention. <laughs> there hasn't been. <laughs> To me, there hasn't been a lot of like big playability. Like, there's been no highlights. That's yeah. why it's not being talked about because Stephon Diggs is currently like the 31st fantasy receiver. You look at Emmanuel Sanders is top 10 and Cole Beasley's top 15. Like his top, his highlight making plays aren't happening, so the media is not talking about him. That's, when they were new and fun last year, and they're not going to be new and fun. And this yeah. is this is the most dangerous spot for the Bills to be at. Yeah, is kind of flying under the radar, and nobody's like talking about you and then next thing you know you sneak into an AFC championship game and like you're a contender again so yeah. don't 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 sleep on them but they're not going to get a lot of media attention just from where they are in Buffalo New York yeah. so beat the Chiefs this week we'll talk about you next week that's what I got to say about yeah them. as far as our coverage of them goes so that's going to do it for fan questions what games are we going to talk about this week Tim? let's talk about Panthers Cowboys okay uh I'm just going to go ahead as a Panthers fan. I was somewhat disappointed in this game, I would say the very least. Okay. Didn't quite go the way – I say I'm a Panthers fan. I just am a Sam Darnold guy. Um, Sam Darnold out-dueled Cal, like Dak Prescott, I would say. It was pretty close, but, uh, I mean, he didn't have a bad game. I just think the lack of Christian McCaffrey is going to hold this team back. It's, it's going to make their ceiling a little bit lower where – a team like Dallas isn't going to be beatable. Imagine that. The Cowboys relied on the run game and it succeeded. That yeah. was that was always my mantra back in the day, too, when they had DeMarco Murray before they drafted Zeke. They That one year, they went 14-2, and two, made the NFC title game, was the one year that DeMarco Murray led the league in rushing. And I was like, imagine that. Tony Romo doesn't throw the ball 50 times a game and you start to win a couple. Right. Look at this. Dak Prescott threw 22 times. And out of the 18 completions he had, four of them were touchdowns. Zeke had 143 yards on the ground and a touchdown. 
I think having a reliable running game is what won Dallas' game in the long run to me. The fact that they didn't have to enter shootout mode and ruin Dak's shoulder this early has been a huge thing for them. Um, like, the fact that they won by... It was a two-possession game. Or no, yeah, it was a two-possession game, and Dak only had 188 passing yards. That doesn't happen often in this league. Usually yeah. you got to throw the 310, which that's exactly... I mean, Sam Donald's right at that 3-mark... Three, three the two interceptions definitely hurt you in the long run. And then the penalties and the sacks. The sacks was the biggest thing. Dak Prescott didn't land in the dirt once, and uh, Sam Donald ate it five times. Yeah, I think I think the Panthers are going to be on a struggle bus. Uh, watch out for them to be somebody who maybe trades for, like, a Marlon Mack potentially or somebody like that. They're so dependent on the run game when they don't have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it just, you know, everything kind of falls out of rhythm, and it just yeah. doesn't feel as smooth as it should with that team. 100%, yeah. But, I mean, hey, Cowboys are 3-1. and one. They've, they've beaten some teams that are impressive. They Their one loss was an impressive loss. Definitely. So, I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time. We talk about the Cowboys way too much on well, this Well, the beauty of it is that we won't have to talk about them for a while because you look at their next stretch of games – the Giants, Patriots, Vikings, Broncos, Falcons. They don't play anyone interesting. Yeah, and then but then we get to the Chiefs, and then we'll have to obviously talk about. And, them. They, and they very well could be like seven and one at that point. Yeah, that's November twenty first. Yeah. So if sorry, Cowboys fans, this might be the last time we talk about you for a little bit. But yeah, they could be a legit contender at that point. Oh, like hundred percent, they should be. Yeah. Let's let's set the expectation. They should be a legit contender by then. So. All right, next game we got is Rams versus Cardinals here. Okay. Um, kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Not a lot of people would have agreed with me there. I, I mean, I've been kind of on the Kyler Murray train since the start of the year. Uh, he's looked legit. That defense looked really legit in that game. I thought, I mean, honestly, I was impressed by so many aspects of the Cardinals' defense in that game. Yeah, the Cardinals did something that the Buccaneers were not able to do, and that, to me, was spreading the ball around, which is something Tom Brady usually excels at. I, th- I thought it was weird how he struggled against the Rams' defense, but Kyler was like, okay, you're going to take D-Hop away. That's fine. I have A.J. Green. I have Christian Kirk. I have Rondell Moore. I have Max Williams. You know, like, I can move the ball around here and still be successful. Also, another surprising thing was how well the run game worked for Arizona. Chase Edmonds had averaged 10 a carry for 120 yards on 12. Uh, James Conner had 50 yards on his 18 carries, which isn't great, but you tacked the two touchdowns on there. And then for the Rams, didn't run the ball as much. I mean, the the Cardinals ran the ball 40 times. I definitely did not see that in the game plan, and it worked. Yeah, it went really, really well for them. I think the first two games we've looked at here is, like, if you don't make your quarterback throw the ball 50 times, it gives you a better chance of winning in the long run. Right. I mean, time of possession, Arizona 35-10, Rams 24-50. Yeah. They just dominated the ball. That's why they got in so many more plays and were able to just outscore them. 75-64 to 64 was the play count to which Arizona. Is, which is crazy because they, they both had 10 drives apiece. Yeah. They just run the ball, run the clock, keep moving it. A.J. Green had a good week. The Cardinals' defenses looked good. I'm curious to see when Chandler Jones will get his next sack after having five in week one. He still has not recorded one since then. I would say that defense is underrated because they get a lot of pressure. Yeah. And that's not something that you see in a box score necessarily unless you're like 
a PFP fan or something like that. I'm looking like for QB pressure this week, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, they uh, they do a really good job of putting pressure on people, and they have, that defense might be the fastest defense in the NFL. Yeah, I definitely would have to put them in that conversation. When you look at the talent that they have in the second level, they are quick. Quick yeah. and quick. So, by proxy here, we can just say the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL. By Yeah, by transfer of property, they are. Yeah. You know, they beat the team that beat the team that is currently <laughs> the NFL defending yeah. So, that's that's 100% how that works. All right, let's jump into Monday Night Football, uh, Chargers versus Raiders. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to eat your words here, so I'll go ahead and let you go first. Yeah, um, so the Raiders, first of all, Justin Herbert came out after the game, said the Chargers' defense was the reason they were able to win that game last night. I would 100% agree. The Chargers' defense was playing out of their minds last night um, when they played the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Uh, They had Derek Carr uncomfortable. They shut the run game down. Kenyon Drake only had one carry. Josh Jacobs only had 13. He averaged three carry. Not great. And also on the other side, Eckler was averaging eight yards a carry. Had a touchdown, 15 carries for 117 yards. They had the run game working. And also another thing, Justin Herbert, you're like, okay, you're going to scheme, you're going to stop Mike Williams, who's been dominant through three weeks. You're going you're gonna to go over and stop Keenan Allen. That's fine. I have Jared Cook. I'll throw him a touchdown. I have Austin Eckler. I'll throw him a touchdown. Donald Parham. I don't know who that is. He threw him a touchdown to start the game. So, I mean – the Chargers looked extremely good. I think these are back-to-back statement wins. Obviously, I think last week was a statement win because you beat the Chiefs. That's right. obviously a huge thing. And then coming out, beating the 3-0 Raiders. Being the Raiders, so still 3-0, still a division game. Still important to get that win. Derek Carr did not look great. It's the first time that Derek Carr has not looked great this year. Uh, two touchdowns, one picks. He did get sacked four times. Um... His QBR rating was at that 56.8. Not great. Definitely could have been a lot better. Um, just wasn't there. The Chargers, I was, the couple times we were able to stand up front and watch the game, every play I saw, the Chargers defense was just on it. Yeah. They're like, anything the Raiders tried to get going, the Chargers smothered it before it could get legs. I think I think there's a there's a gap difference between, and I keep saying that the Raiders are going to fall off this cliff. The cliff is coming. Uh, I, I expected them always to start out well, and then this is kind of a game where it's like, okay, when you're against a really good team and it's a shootout, can you actually go out there and win and beat another really good team? And the answer kind of here was no. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah, just didn't get it done in the first half. Like they were down twenty-one, nothing at half. They had absolutely nothing. They had a little bit of life. Derek Carr showed a little bit of life in the second. Quarter, in the third quarter in the second half, getting that the pair of touchdowns off to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, but it was just – you look at that, you, you come out, you score two Terry touchdowns, try to nab the momentum back, you're still down 14-21 at that point. Right, yeah. And then the Chargers went on tack seven in the fourth, and that's what won the game in the long run. So. All right, let's talk about the Patriots-Bucks. I am going to take a little bit of time here because I am a diehard Patriots fan. That's why we went through the first ones quickly, so we had the time here. And this is probably going to be like the one of the few times you hear me talk this long about a singular game. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is for all the people who felt bad that they booed Tom Brady. Uh, don't feel bad for the guy at all. Like I don't know what you expect in the cold northeast like that. Like They are not going to be like, 
oh, welcome back. I mean, they cheered him on when he was out there for warm-ups, and then immediately, first time he went down, it was like all cheers. He came out in the field. They were booing him. That's yeah. kind of exactly what The game what started. We're done cheering. For yeah, we're, we're no longer. It's no longer a welcome back. A lot of 12 jerseys, but, yeah, like I am personally on the side of, like, when Tom Brady left, he was dead to me. You know, I've got all of his stuff in my garage. I've got his jersey hung up. When he retires, he'll sign a one-day contract with a Patriot and retire a Patriot. Like, that's how it should be. Um, but enough about Tom Brady. Let's talk about the game. Um, Tom Brady, like, Bill Belichick schemed very, very well against this Bucks team. I mean, Tom Brady missed a lot of throws during that game. There were just a couple balls that you were like, man, if that was a yard shorter, that would have been perfect. I don't know how much of that was the rain. I Like, Tom might have gotten soft playing down in Tampa where it's sunny and warm all the time. And yeah. he was kind of up in the in back in Foxborough where it's, you know, 60 degrees and it rains sometimes and things like that. Yeah. Um, I will say Mac Jones looked good. I know there's, there's like, it's it's so weird that it's flipped right now. Like, there's, there's like half the people are like, yeah, he looked amazing. He looked really good. Like, kind of everything you want. And then there's, like, this weird group of people who are like, Oh, I didn't think he looked that good. And I I haven't seen anybody really go after him. I saw Nick Wright. Yeah, Nick Wright was the one that I saw. Like, he's like, I was not impressed. And then I listened. I listened to the minute and a half, two minutes he talked about it. He's like, how could you be impressed with Mac Jones? The Patriots don't trust him. You're like, you would rather trust an aging kicker, Nick Folk, in a driving rainstorm outside of his range. Which here was, the way he said it, really like... You could tell that he beefed it to make it sound a lot worse. Like worse that. Nick Folk was drafted and first started playing in the Bush administration. Last time he made a 55-yard field goal was the Obama administration. They were like, they trusted this guy over Mac Jones on fourth and three. And I'm like, pause, hold on. I'm hearing, I'm not impressed with Mac Jones because the Patriots didn't trust him. How the hell does that have anything to do with how well he played? Played, the right, the whole game. It made no sense. So the couple of guys that I've heard pushback of, like, I wasn't impressed with Mac Jones, they, were, they weren't impressed because Nick Folk missed a kick from 55 yards and they didn't go for it on fourth down. Like, that has anything to do with Mac yeah. Jones at all. And, and how, many, how many rookie quarterbacks right now, out of the five that were drafted in the first round, a game against the defending Super Bowl champions, fourth and three, 56 seconds left, how many of them are you letting go for for it on the fourth and three right now. Zero. Zero. None, none of, them. of them. Like, none of them have been like, I mean, I think we should have gone for it there. Mac Jones was having a game. Like, he looked impressive. He was making throws. He was under duress and he made some impressive throws. He was taking hits all night. I think that's been the most impressive thing for me is like the, the pocket presence and the ability to sit in there, deliver a throw, and take a hit. He's done it, I think, better than any rookie quarterback, possibly up there with some of the other quarterbacks in this league so far. So for me, for a developing quarterback like Mac Jones, the thing that I I like is, oh, he he dinks and ducks and, like, he throws these conservative... Like, he will get to a point where he's then comfortable to take his shots down the field. Like, that is is coming down the pipeline, and when it does, the league should be very scared. Yeah. And he's not a big-arm guy. It's not going to be all the time that he's hucking these ADR bombs or anything. That's not what the Patriots do by any stretch. People are like, oh, how can you be impressed? He's over here throwing five-yard dump routes to his running back and his tight end. I'm like, how do you think Tom Brady won six Super Bowls in New England? I mean, he wasn't throwing them. Like, there were the deep shots. We had the deep balls. We haven't seen them from Mac Jones, but it's been four games. Let's give the kid some time. <laughs> and first, and another thing is like that's not up to him. If right. they call slants and curl drags all fucking day, he can't throw a sixty-yard touchdown if they yeah. don't call the play to get it there. 
So, big takeaway is, I mean, one, I'm sad we didn't win. I wish uh, that game would have meant a lot to win that, even though we were probably wrong in not keeping Tom Brady longer. Uh, it would have felt really nice to win that game. We didn't. Mac Jones, you can't ask any more from the kid. The defense played amazing. I mean, Tom Brady, 22 for 43, 269 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. I mean, we kept him out of the end zone. I mean, especially at that last drive the Buccaneers had, they were on. He was hot, and look, I was like, oh, great. This is the Tom Brady special. He's going to go down, score on us, and, you know, now we're going to be forced to score a touchdown. When we held them to a field goal, it was 16-17 at that point, I was like, oh, my God. Like, Bill Belichick, like, dusted off, like, the biggest playbook and got everything ready to rock and roll. So. Yeah. Well, I just, when I look at it in the long run, like, I don't understand why you didn't go for it either. Yeah. When you look at, if there's anybody that should know what happens at the end of a game that's being led by Tom Brady, Bill Belichick should be the guy that knows exactly yeah. what happens. Exactly. And even if Nick Foles hits this field goal, Folk. I'm giving Nick Folk. Yeah. I'm not emphasizing the K enough. It's okay. Even and if I hit this field goal and I go up 20 to 19. I'm handing the ball back to Tom Brady with 55 seconds, 50 yeah. seconds left. And we've seen how that's worked for everybody else. Aaron Rodgers made that comeback. And Derek Carr made that comeback. We won against the Ravens to push OT. So yeah. the whole, like, kick a field goal, give him 50 seconds has not worked for anybody else. It wouldn't have worked against Tom Brady. Yeah. So as much as people glare at Nick Folk for missing the field goal, First of all, they should have went for it, I yeah. think. I think you've got to go for it because, now, if there was 10 seconds left, kick the field goal. Right, so yeah, you got to. I'm yeah. not giving the ball back to Tom Brady with any more than 20 seconds. Yeah. And in, in, in less than, you know, maybe if they needed a touchdown. I mean, you know, I think to your point, Nick Foles would have made that field goal. Possibly. You know, the, one of the clutchest QBs of all time. That guy's, that guy's drilling that 56-yard. Yeah, he's, he's, he's up there, and then all of a sudden he plays Tom Brady. He's like, I'm Peyton Manning. I'm Peyton. He goes from Eli to Peyton. He's <laughs> yeah. like, this is, this is what I do now. But, yeah, I, I overall, great game. Um, if you watched it, it was probably the most intense game that we've had this entire – it was up there – I mean, Sunday Night Football this year, we have just gotten, like... We've been blessed. We've been blessed with these close, tight, like, punch em kind of games. Like, yeah. it's been great. Like, we normally don't get this many this early, I feel like. Monday Night hasn't been bad. It hasn't been as good as Sunday Night, no. but it hasn't been bad. Thursday Night's been terrible, per usual. It's at, yeah. Why is it a thing? They just gotta get... I mean, they want football more nights. But. Well, we like our money. Well, give me a better game than Jags Giants. Yeah. All right. Thank you. But, I mean, it was a great game. Congrats to the Bucks fans. I mean... If I'm a Bucks fan, I don't know how excited I am that I just struggled to beat the Patriots like that. But a win's a win. A win's a win, right? Baltimore scraped by Detroit, and I was pretty happy about that too. So right, that's what it is. Speaking of Baltimore, speaking of Baltimore, their next game, last game of the week. Yeah, they played uh, the Denver Broncos in Mile High. Yep, in Denver. So I got a chance to watch some of this game. I didn't get a chance to watch all of it. I was on my way to a concert. I saw some of it first. I had one buddy text me. Uh, he was pissed. He thought the hit on Teddy Bridgewater they gave him the concussion was a dirty hit. I've watched the play 30 to 40 times. I don't see any dirty hit. It's a hit where if Lamar got hit, I don't think I'd be that mad. It was was there a, was it a little high? Yes. The top I think it was Jason I think it was Odafe Owe that knocked him out of the game. His helmet hit Teddy's face mask. It wasn't targeting by any stretch. I didn't see anything excessive that made it you know, a dirty play, but he thought it was dirty. I didn't think it was. That's my opinion on it. Um, 
So, obviously, the Broncos are running with Drew Locke for a majority of the game. That's not going to be good. There's a reason Teddy Bridgewater beat him out for the starting job. I think it was I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of Denver fans, realizing that, like, Drew Locke is not the guy right. at all. I think he came in the second half, and they realized that we made the right decision, and going forward, we know that this guy is nothing more than a backup to us in the long run. Yeah, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is an okay starter. He's obviously not like this. I mean, but this team is so good around him. He's a transitional guy to me in the long run. Yeah, and the problem is is if I'm Denver, I don't know how I'm going to sneak up and get a quarterback next year in the draft because you you have to be different. Like, you're not going to win games scoring. Like, you can't average 20 points and below and expect to be a playoff team. Even 25 at this point. Right. You have to be a team that's going to go out there every week and put up. Like, look at the undefeated team. The undefeated teams. The undefeated team left. Arizona. Just the Cardinals. Yeah. They're one of the only teams in NFL history to score 31 points or more in their first four games and win all four of them. And I think that's the NFL we're going towards more than like, I mean, we had some low-scoring games this weekend. The bad teams are going to be bad, right? Yeah. Like, that's going to happen. But, yeah, I think dynamic offense is going to be a requirement going forward, and I don't know if I see that yeah. uh, in the from Denver anymore. Yeah. I, in the, I think the... The game got overshadowed by the last two minutes of it and how the game was played out. A lot of people have asked me what I thought about Vic Vangio's thoughts after the game. Um, I'm actually going to play the clip because I want everybody to hear exactly what... Can we play the clip? I don't know if we can. We play clips on the other show all the time, so I'm going to play it here. We're going to... And I'll talk to you about what John Harbaugh said afterwards as well. Uh, This was Vangio after the the game. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them. You know, I've 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, but it was to be expected, and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they that's just their, uh, you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. Is that something anybody even really talked about, that they had 42 straight or whatever the number was, 100-yard games? And- uh, we didn't talk about it during the week, but I'm sure the players were aware of it. You guys made them well aware of it. What do you think about the uh, no calls? So, so, first of all, I didn't even know that that was a record that we had. Mm-hmm. It, we just tied it. It's the first time I've ever heard about it. It doesn't surprise me at all. Baltimore is the best rushing offense in NFL history in the last three years. I have a huge problem with it because of just the way that he handled it, you can be mad. I understand there's an unwritten rule. You take a knee, you end the game, you win the game, you move on. It's like, you know, shooting a three-pointer when you're down 40 at the end of an NBA game. There's an unwritten rule to just kind of move on. Or even when you're winning or losing, scoring in the last 30 seconds of a decided game doesn't help. So, the biggest issue that I really had was him, like, I don't know where this, all this hate comes from, first of all. It's like, oh, I expected it. That's how they run. They're, you know, like acting like Baltimore is a shitty organization. Right. John Harbaugh, like player safety, second and on. I'm confused by that. Now you look at our IR and you would think it is. Yeah, yeah. But none of these injuries are anything to do with Baltimore in the long run. So it was an issue that he was so personable about the attacks. Second of all, I love the way John Harbaugh handled it. He was cool, level-headed. He was like, we seemed cool before the game. I have no idea what the fuck happened. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the last... You go back and watch the last two minutes of this game. With a minute 20 left, Denver gets the ball on the 25-yard line, down 23-7. Now, when I say they were trying to go down and score the ball, it doesn't sound weird. 
you're thinking three Hail Mary shots. You're trying to get in the end zone, get an onside kick, go back on offense again. When I say they got the ball with a minute 20 left and we're trying to score, that's not weird. They got the ball down into the red zone. There was 20 seconds left in the game. They took three shots to the end zone. Anthony Everett picked off the last one. Baltimore got the ball back with three seconds. So, you could say it's Bush League. You could say Baltimore shouldn't have ran the play. They should have went out and kneeled it. First of all, with a minute 20 left, they decided if we get the ball back, we're going for it. I don't think there's an issue with that. With a minute 20 left and down 23-7, to right. you probably shouldn't be trying to score in the first place. And even if you are, you're 10 seconds left at the 7-yard line, down 23-7, you're trying to score. John Harwell said, there's not a 16-point touchdown that really exists to me. So you can say player safety doesn't matter, but we weren't trying to score in a decided game. Right. We yeah. ran the ball for four yards. I was mad that Lamar did it because, God forbid, Lamar got hurt on that play. I would have been fucking pissed. Yeah. But Vic Bangio's a salty bitch. That's kind of like my overarching thing. You, so you could be mad about the four-yard run, but in a 23-7 game – you and your backup quarterback were driving down the field trying to score. Yeah. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. We did a four-yard QB power as the clock expired. So if we're Bush League, I don't know what the fuck you are. I think I think we have to be careful because football is in danger of turning into the MLB. And then, like, yeah. And I've, I've said this for years because they get rid of touchdown dancing and then now the taunting rule. And they brought back touchdown dancing. You know what I mean? So there's all these things that, like, you don't want to become baseball where there's all these unwritten rules and all these traditions of the sport. Listen, I want the NFL to have fun and flair and be interesting. And you know what? If Baltimore wants to keep this record, I have no problem for it. It's like the last week of the NFL. These guys are like forcing the ball to another guy because he's got some clause in his contract that he gets a million dollar bonuses if, if he, he catches, catches 10 touchdowns yeah. and he's at 9 and they're just like every play they're like okay in the red zone we're just throwing it to this guy they don't care what the yeah. coach calls like it's fun it's fine let him go for it stop being so so whiny yeah it's the unwritten rules of the game really start to like mess with the game in the long run I think it, it yeah. does make it not as fun and also like I, I, I like exactly how John Harbaugh handled it and how he said it he said, with a minute 20 left, they kicked it off. They gave the ball back to Denver. He said, if we get the ball back, we're going to get our four-yard run, and then we will run the clock out. Yeah. Now, Denver was taking shots in the end zone with 10 seconds left. We picked it off, got the ball back with four seconds left. I'm sorry we went for a four-yard run with four seconds left. You shouldn't have given the ball back. So I, you should have ran the clock out yourself. And I think this is a great example of why coaches like Vic Fangio have a hard time in modern-day locker rooms. He's older, a little bit more traditional. And John Harbaugh has adapted to the ways of the NFL. So he sees all these young guys. They want to go for it. They, they, this matters to them. This is important to them. Lamar, do you want to go for it? Yeah, hell yeah. Like they're, And they're just they're all about it. Like So I don't personally have an issue with it. I know there's going to be a lot of people who do, but, I mean, the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years if you have a problem with it. So, like, that's kind of where we're at with that one. Yeah. Uh, is So... It is what it is. Big, I gotta have one more big takeaway from this game. What's up? Love that Latavius Murray was so involved in this game. Yeah, Latavius Murray, fifty-nine yards touchdown. He's a Syracuse kid. Went to high school in Syracuse. Went to college, University of Central Florida. Always loved Latavius. Like my cousin knows him and everything like that. So I love to see Latavius Murray get get all these touches and everything like that. I'm kind of happy for him. So love that big fan of it. Keep keep it going forward, Ravens. Big big bruising back. I like I like watching him play too. He can rumble. So 
What do we got next? All right, let's jump into our quarter season rewards. All right, so beautiful. To give some context to this, to make it very, very clear for everyone, and yes, and please, make sure. So, please clarify. So this is not who we think is going to be the MVP at the end of the year. We are picking the MVP and the offensive player of the year and the defensive player through week four. So we are not going beyond that. Like this is this is just week four. So the so, season ended today. This is who your MVP correct. and all these other awards. Yes, this isn't a prediction or anything like that. So just to give some context to that before some, I mean. We are going to flame Owen for one of these days. It is what it is. I, I don't 100% believe the guy, you know, like giving the award to him in the long run, but I feel like he needs to be talked about. Okay. So that's why I put him there. I hope you are. He needs the airtime. Okay. So. All right. Let's let's jump into MVP. You want to start us off? Yeah. So MVP, first of all, I love your pick. I think that was going to be your pick. I was trying to pick somebody that I was trying to make sure we didn't have the same people. That's another reason why some of mine look so weird. Okay. Uh, my MVP so far through four weeks is Matthew Stafford. He's came onto this new offense in L.A. He's played extremely well. Uh, he's got just over 1,200 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions. And the offense has just looked an extra bit dynamic. He's second in the league in touchdowns currently. I believe he's top five in passing yards. Yeah, he – I don't – I think you have a good argument for him. Um, I, I think – I don't know if I would have had him as my second choice. I probably would have gone Josh Allen or Mahomes uh, probably would have been my second choice. But yeah, no, I think that's a solid pick. I, I think he's played well. I think he's someone in the long run too that could be in that race. He definitely should be in the competition come week seventeen. So there'll be like some of these people you'll be like, okay, no surprise. I mean, I picked Kyler Murray. Obviously. That's the easy pick. Yeah, that's the easy pick. He's top five in yards this season. He's top five in touchdowns. Um he's having a really good year rushing the ball. Like they're four and oh. So every he's the only undefeated team left at this point. If the season ended this way, he would be your MVP. Yeah. That's another reason why I thought Mahomes immediately, and I was like, well, the Chiefs are, what, 2-2 two and two now? You're right. And I look at those two losses, and I'm like, he shoulders a good majority of one of those and a little bit on the second one. So, like, I did look at win-loss in the long run and also looked at, like, how being only four games to look at, it was a lot easier, like, how did they lose? And right. when I look at that Chargers game, I'm like, he was a big reason why they lost. So that's why I kind of nixed him for my MVP right now. He's another guy that definitely should be competing uh, by the end of the year. So, what are we, defensive player next? Defensive player of the year, I went Miles Garrett. I mean, he's your current sack leader at six sacks. Yeah. Um, not having a great, like, tackle for lost year or anything like that. I just think he's been the most dominant guy out there when it comes to pass rush and everything like that. He's actually, he's actually tied with Von Miller for most tackles for loss in, in the season right now. Oh, is he really? He and Von Miller both have seven tackles for loss, which leads okay. the way. So he's doing it on both aspects, in the run game and the pass game. He's getting by. He is winning the line of scrimmage in uh, both aspects. Don't know why I had that in my notes then. But, yeah, I think I think he's clearly the favorite right now. I know 100%. you tweeted about it the other day. Like, uh, the cornerback that's leading in interceptions, I'm, of course, I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs. Yeah. He is not Defensive Player of the Year. No. Um and he, I, uh, I would, I would put a lot of money right now that he does not end up leading the league in interceptions. The long way, yeah. So I had a, I have a couple Cowboys fans that text me like, so what was the point? They kind of were confused by the wording. They were trying to figure out what I was trying to accomplish with that tweet. Uh-huh. My end tweet was like, I saw a TikTok and it was like Trevon Diggs leading the league in picks. 
guess we have a new new king of the cornerback room. And I was like, let's first of all, it's four games. Let's calm the hell down. Right. Second of all, interceptions do not make you a good corner. If anything, it shows that defense offenses do not think you're that good of a corner, and they're attacking you right so now. So my biggest thing for Trevon Diggs. Being a second-year guy, last year, you did not play well. Offenses realize that. They're going at you. The interceptions, to me, show a massive improvement in your game. Right. So he's looked a lot better than he was last year. That's why you're seeing a lot of picks. I don't think it will continue to happen. But if there was a most improved player, this is probably the guy that I'd pick right now. Okay. So uh, for my defensive player of the year, uh, Chandler Jones. Second in league in sacks currently. Also has five tackles for loss, which does rank inside the top ten. He's another guy that's just dominated the edge. This this award will go to an edge rusher. You I think so? I, I think it's a pretty foregone fact. It's kind okay. of like it's kind of like trying to – it's the opposite. Uh, I don't know how to – it's like MVPs. It's going to be a quarterback. It's more than likely, yeah. It's Unless like, you have a record-breaking season in another position, it will be a quarterback. 95% of the time the MVP goes to a quarterback, I would say like – Maybe sixty percent of the time it goes to a pass rusher, and then like forty percent of the time it might go to somebody. I mean, I'm just making these numbers off the top of my head. Yeah, it's it's going to take a ridiculous year by any corner, and I don't think we've seen any ridiculous stats so far from the corners. Corners. Um, another guy that I want to talk about actually that I was surprised when I was looking at the stats. Uh, there's a Philly. Uh, there's a defensive tackle from Philly that also ranks in the top five for tackles for loss and for sacks, and it's not Fletcher Cox. Javon Hargrave has had a monster year through four games. Um, so he's another guy that I definitely would like to talk about because uh, when you look at the the sack leaders in the NFL and you look at the top ten, he's the only defensive tackle on there. He has five sacks so far, which is tied with Daniel Hunter, T.J. Watt, and Chandler Jones. He also currently has six tackles for loss, which ranks second right there behind Miles Garrett and Vaughn Miller. Yeah. So not a guy that you would expect to be in this conversation, but a guy that's played like it so far. The other context I will add to this for for ours, like long term, expect TJ Watt to crawl back up. up at, he's been hurt a lot, and he's still at the top of a lot of these leaderboards. He's still like third in the league in sacks. Yeah, fourth in the league. So don't don't sleep on him when when he gets healthy and gets going. He very well might be. He will be in the conversation yeah. in this race. And we can look at stats all day long. There's a guy that we didn't mention at all. We know who he is. We know he's the best defensive player in football right now. Yeah, he's definitely the leader. Of the award, it's like LeBron winning MVP. Like we're not, we might not give it to him every year because if we try to give it to the best defensive player, Aaron Donald would have won the last six years. He's yeah. going to win for the next six as well. The problem is, is like storylines drive these. Yeah, and it's the same thing in the NBA as it is in the NFL. Like the MVP isn't who played the best; it's always who had the biggest breakouts. Or you know what I mean? Who was the most interesting, the best storyline to Giannis, follow? Giannis's first MVP was the first year LeBron left, and like, who's the king of the East? Right. That was a big question when LeBron left and went to L.A. And then in the first two months, they were like, Giannis is the king of the East. And then sure enough, eight, ten months later, he's the MVP. And they are they get bounced from the playoffs in the year after that they won the title. So storylines do drive it. I believe that 100%. All right. Offensive player of the year. I've got Derrick Henry. I mean, man's an animal. Yeah. Leading in, in every rushing category that you would. I mean, I don't know if he's actually leading before I say that. Let me pull up. Yeah, he's leading in yards. Uh, and then touchdowns, he's got four. <laughs> Sam Darnold's actually the rushing leader with five. Five touchdowns. But So I, I think when I wrote that, I didn't count Sam Darnold in that. He's, I wouldn't. He's leading all the running backs in yards and touchdowns. 
everything you'd want to see. There really hasn't been like a standout wide receiver so far this year. Not yet, no. Because um, guys have had down games. Like Tyree Kill has looked really good for two weeks, but he was non-existent in week three. Right. So the wide receiver category is a little bit like I think Debo Samuel's leading in reception and yards right now. So wide receivers are a little bit all over the place. Debo Samuel. I think uh, I think uh, Derrick Henry will continue to have the success that he's been having so far. So, um, and basically, offensive player of the year goes to the best non-quarterback. Yeah, is essentially what that goes to the best is. non-quarterback. Or like, if there's really a quarterback, like if Matthew Stafford really has that good of a year, but Kyler Murray's year is better, that's what that award's for. Yep. It's like here's second place. That's what offensive player of the year is. So for my offensive player of the year. This is not a guy that I believe will be in the conversation at the end of the year. It's not really a guy I believe that I would give this award to at this point, but I feel like Daniel Jones needs to be talked about at this point. He has played very well through four games. I understand it's Daniel Jones. I understand it's four games. He is currently seventh in the league in passing yards, ranking above Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen. He currently also has four touchdowns to his name. Not great, but only one interception. I think that's the biggest thing. He's not leading the league in picks. That's a win. That's a win for him in the long run. Um, Also, rushing-wise, when you look at Daniel Jones, he is one of the three quarterbacks inside the top 25 for rushing yards this year. He has just under 200. He also has two touchdowns on the year, and he has two yards of 20 yards or more, which puts him in the same category as Derrick Henry, Kareem Hunt, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, there's a lot of guys in that list that have gotten two or more 20-yard runs. Uh, Lamar Jackson is currently top of that list at four. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has three. Mm-hmm. So, while I don't 100% believe in this, I see a guy that is top ten in passing yards who hasn't thrown a lot of picks and has added another level, well, not added another level to his game, but added another dimension to the Giants' offense with his ability to run the ball. Daniel Jones, I felt like, needed to be talked about. Again, I don't think he'll be in this conversation come the end of the year. No, no way. But he's played well through four games, and I felt like we hadn't talked about it at all. Like, I was looking. I was looking at the stats. I was trying to figure out who my offensive player of the year was. Like you said, Derrick Henry stands out. Not a lot of other people out there. Lamar Jackson was a guy I thought about for this. So I'm like, Daniel Jones has played extremely well, and no one is talking about it. Right. So I felt like I needed to be the guy that talked about it. Talked about it. That's, that's, you know, that's fair. It is what it is. Um, Moving right along here, Coach of the Year. I have Zach Taylor. If you had told me that the Bengals would be three and one to start the season, I would have said I highly doubt that. Nope. So where's the nearest mental hospital? Because I'm going to check you in. Right? Yeah. Nice. Like so, I, I have to say it's he's done an impressive job. Uh, so I, I it, that one's clean and simple to me. They're th- they're the only three and one team that I look at and go, okay, you probably shouldn't be three and one. Yeah. I would argue Matt Rule probably deserves some talk for that as well. Yeah, those I are my three guys that I think you're in that conversation. Yeah. Um, my head my coach of the year so far, John Gruden. I looked at I almost put Matt Rule because I knew you were going to shake your head when I put John Gruden. So when I look at coach of the year, my biggest thing that I always look at is like expectation versus reality. Right. I think that's if you're looking like the Dolphins were the worst team in football on a two win team last year. Brian Flores got them to seven wins. That was like. Through three weeks, people are like, this might be the worst football team that has ever been fielded in a single week in NFL history. They won six or seven games. That's why Brian Flores won Coach of the Year. So, Zach Taylor would have been my pick. I 100% agree with you. Nobody saw the Bengals going 3-1. and one. The Raiders, you're like, it was possible because they do start better than usual. 
Um, and I do think Matt Rule would be the other guy that is definitely in conversation yeah. for this award as well. Um, and obviously, maybe Cliff Kingsbury being the only undefeated left, you got to put him up there as well. But I always look at those guys that are what did what did you give me versus what did I expect when it comes to coach of the year? So Absolutely. Zach Taylor's definitely the top of the heap. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. I think right now this is a runaway. Yeah, I would currently agree. Yeah. I think Jamar Chase is very obviously the number one choice. Um, and honestly, the way he's been playing, I, I wouldn't be crazy if he ends up winning it at the end of the year. Yeah, so. I think right now he is leading the way. I do think at this pace he 100% should win it. Um, he's looked great. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more uh, here down the line, but so I don't want to talk too much about him. My pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Mac Jones. I think if there's a quarterback that's going to win it, this is the guy. I can't see any of the other quarterbacks that were taken, whether it was the first round or not. Davis Mills is not in this conversation. Uh, neither is Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, or Justin Fields, I think, in the long run. I think Trey Lance might be the one to watch. Yeah, I agree with that one. He has looked extremely good, and I think if Jimmy loses his spot, I think he will not touch the field again. Um, There's a good chance of that, yeah. yeah. Trey Lance looked extremely good. So, of the four quarterbacks that we've seen a majority of, Mac Jones is definitely the guy that has the issue, but I do agree that Jamar Chase is kind of running away. Yeah, if, if I had to pick a rookie QB, like Mac Jones would be the front, the leader in the clubhouse right now. And then, I mean, who knows what Trey Lance will end up being. Najee Harris is definitely a guy that I could pick if the Steelers had any type of offensive line. Yeah, I told people before the year started that that was going to hurt him. They're like, he's going to get all the touches. He's a good receiving back. And there are a lot of people in fantasy that were talking about it more often than anything. They're like, he's going to get all the touches. They're, you know, who are they going to give to Benny Snell? They're like, I'm like, yes, I understand this. The the target share and the carry rate is all there. Right. It does not matter if he can't get yards. You have to, like, you can get 30 carries a game. If you can't get more than 100 yards, you're not going to be a good fantasy back. You're not going to be a good running back in the long run. It's just what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive line kills at the end of the day. So. So that's our quarter season awards. Quarter season awards else? wrapped up. We'll probably do them again at the halfway season mark. Um, and then probably like week 12, we'll probably do, instead of doing like three, four season rewards or anything like that, we'll probably give our predictions for who who our leaders are for the rewards going into the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I like that segment a lot. And also, Rookie Watch, we're saying the same thing. Like, he looks yeah. okay. Coaching's not great. Right. Doesn't team, have a run game. Team around him's awful. So yeah. <laughs> that that might be something that goes away and we kind of replace it with some other stuff and, and try to... Th- this section of the show is definitely going to be up for grabs and we're going to try a bunch of different stuff. And yeah. if you guys are like in love with something and think it's really fun and you want us to constantly do it, let us know. Like we're, This is the section of the show that we're going to probably play around with and, and try to do some different stuff. Yeah, 100%. So, before we get into hot and cold today, a quick ad for you guys. Spatial Audio, based on Adobe Atmos, is an immersive surround sound audio format that enables musicians to mix music so it sounds like the instruments are all around you in space. Thousands of Apple Music songs are are available in Spatial Audio as of last week, such as Lady Gaga's Rain On Me and Kanye West's Black Skinhead. Spatial Audio is available to all Apple Music subscribers at no additional cost. The streaming music service costs $9.99 per month for individuals, $4.99 per month for students, and $14.99 per month for families of up to six people. 75 million songs, the world's most popular playlists, early access to new music, 
unlimited skips, expert curated playlists, exclusive content, download and listen offline, always ad free. It's pretty easy to go into. Uh, you go into your settings, go to your iTunes music, and obviously once you sign up, you pay per month, not by song. So, who doesn't love that? That was always the thing growing up. You're trying to buy music, and you're like, I don't want to pay 99 cents per song. Yeah, you remember when some songs were like a dollar forty nine yeah, or two like, bucks, and you're like, I'm not buying that. I can't buy this. Are you kidding me? I'm yeah. stretching it to get 99 cents. I got my twenty dollar iTunes gift card. I gotta like this will throw off the math. I'll have like forty one fifty one cents left over at the end. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Not not a good way to do it. Just pay by month, man. Yeah, it's that easy. It's easier. So, hot and cold. This week, I am excited. Um, I'm excited to talk about my hot take. I'm excited to talk about your hot take as well. I like what we have down this week. And also, we're going to talk a lot more about our hot takes later on in the show. Obviously, once we get down to, to pick one, we will talk about our, our hot takes from past episodes as well. Yeah. So, definitely excited to talk about You want me to go first this week? Yeah, yeah, go first. Okay, so, my cold take... And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just on Ravens Twitter too much. Uh, the Broncos were wildly overrated. I think uh, that's my cold take so far. I was kind of struggling. It took me like a solid 20 to 30 minutes to try to find a cold take this week. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything that I felt like was kind of jumping off the page to me. Um, I think playing against three teams that have a combined record of 0-9 finally showed this week. Also, not having Teddy Bridgewater, him being knocked out of the game, definitely didn't help at all anyways. But I think... We were all brought down to earth a little bit. I think everybody yeah. kind of saw the 3-0 Broncos team. We were very, very excited. you got to look at the guys they play. Like, it is such a big thing to me. Uh, obviously, they played the Ravens this week. Didn't end up going too well for them. Um, but as far as their games moving forward, it'll be interesting to kind of see how long Teddy Bridgewater's out. I think that's definitely going to affect them in the long run because Drew Locke did not look good. And um, they've got the Steelers next week. Shouldn't be too hard to manage. Maybe. Lock. Yeah. The Raiders, who knows, two weeks from now. I have no idea what the Raiders are going to look like. And then you have the Browns. Um, definitely not going to be a fun game, regardless of who's under center. Then the football team, which surprisingly have had one of the worst defenses in the league. They're allowing like 29 to 30 points a game. Which is crazy. because that Coming into the year, they are the best. Yeah, They're everyone was talking five. about them number one, if not top three. Yeah. Their schedule really isn't too hard. They've got a couple games, like we got the Browns in three weeks, the Cowboys two weeks after that, and you have the Chargers and the Chiefs um, at the end of November going into December, which are going to be the two highlighted weeks for them. But they definitely have some games where they can win in here. The Steelers, the Raiders, the football team, the Eagles are all in that mix as well. So They might end up being a borderline playoff team, maybe? Definitely possibly. It depends. I mean, the Chargers looked really good. Yeah, that right? division that division is kind of... is is actually harder to predict than we thought, which is weird. Yeah. Because we didn't think it would be one of those weird divisions this year, and it is. It's like there's four really solid – okay, let me rephrase that. There's two good teams, and then two – I would – there's, okay. there's one really good team, and then there's one amazing team. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I think it's a lot more open just because Kansas City has struggled to start the year. Yeah. I think we all knew it was going to be an interesting division, but it was interesting for second place. Right. Now, all of a sudden, Kansas City's 2-2 two and two at the bottom of the division. Somebody and, else might come out winning that division. Yeah, you got to look at the rest of this division is 3-1. The Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers are all 3-1. The Chiefs are 2-2. Two two. No one saw that coming at all yeah. to start the year. So, curious to see how that one ends. My hot take this week 
is something that I don't 100% believe in myself yet, but I think that's how that's how hot these takes should be in the long run. Okay. So the more I look at it and the more I've thought about it and the more I've watched him play and we just talked about him for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think the Bengals made the right choice by taking Jamar Chase at number five overall in the draft. Um, I do think that not taking Penny Sewell is going to bite them. It hasn't bit them so far. Their offensive line has played a lot better than anybody has expected. A lot of people thought that that was a bottom five unit. They've played right in the money spot of the 15 to 10. Right where you want to be. I don't have to pay them a lot of money, but also, you know, we're not getting hit on every play. Right. Um, The Bengals O-line's played well. The biggest thing that makes me think this in the long run is Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow's connection is obviously still there. It's looked very, very good. And when I look at how good Penny Sewell's been, he's been extremely good in Detroit. I think they made a right choice by taking him and anchoring whoever is under center for them once Jared Goff is gone. You can get a franchise left tackle elsewhere. You can make your offensive line elsewhere better elsewhere through free agency or through this year's you, draft. You can cobble an offensive line together. You cannot draft or get Jamar Chase again. You can get a receiver that is as good or better than him, yeah. but the connection that they have has been dynamite through four weeks. I think this is depends on two things and two things. I think number one, Jamar Chase has to be a number one guy. Hard percent. So if all of a sudden T. Higgins becomes the number one guy, I don't think it's it, it's a good look for that take. I don't think I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think Jamar Chase has to be a consistent one, and he's been that so he's far. He's been that through four weeks. He's definitely on pace to do that, and he's got to maintain it. Um, the other thing, the second Joe Burrow gets hurt. This this take is going to get slaughtered by people. Yeah, and let alone, especially if it comes from the left side. Like if Max Crosby collapses the left tackle and lands on Joe Burrow the wrong way. Yeah, that's hundred percent. I agree. Like yeah. it's this takes immediately over. Everyone's everyone's going to be pissed. Yeah, which I'm fine with. I can hundred percent understand that because I I was the biggest advocator going into the draft. I was like, it has to be Penny Sewell. Mm-hmm. Now if Penny Sewell's not there at five. I can take Jamar Chase, okay? Because right. I don't feel comfortable taking any other tackles at five. I mean, they're trading down or I'm taking Jamar Chase. Penny Sewell was there. So the second that Joe Burrow gets hurt, no matter where it comes from, he could literally like have a clean pocket, you have one guy come up the middle and him scramble on a play and he gets hurt. Right. We're going back to that pick five. We're yeah. talking about it again. The, the problem for me, especially, is from a team-building standpoint, is... I can get a wide receiver in the late first round, second round. Like, there's so many guys that you are just fines that are number one guys later. Offensive linemen in later rounds tend to not work out as well. So, like, if I'm the Bengals and I'm sitting at three one, I'm like, awesome, this is great. Like, you know, like we're we're looking really solid here. And you're like, holy crap, we might have like the 15th pick in next year's draft. We might not actually be drafting in the top 10. Yeah. For a Bengals fan, that's a great year. It's a win. Yeah. Definitely a win. Uh, so as far as the Bengals go, I think still look to improve the offensive line. If somebody becomes available via trade, <laughs> if another Orlando Brown situation happens, yeah. I want to be in those talks. Somebody will be a seller at the trade deadline, and you're going to be able to find either a really solid guard or a tackle. Buy offensive linemen, draft offensive linemen. Because as of right now, Joe Burrow stays healthy. I think you made the decision. You made the right decision. Yeah. So, what do you got? What's right. your takes this week? Cold take, the Lions might be the worst team in the league. I think after that game, watching Jared Goff just absolutely fall apart and just kind of come unglued. They, he fumbled the ball twice. It just was not a great Who game for him. Who did he play him. against again? Oh, gosh. Now you're going to ask Detroit me a question. Detroit 
played... It wasn't Green Bay this week, was it? I don't think so. No, that was last... They yeah, played the awesome. Bears. The Bears. And they looked horrible against the Bears. Against Justin Fields. Yeah. Which, here's a, the interesting stat I saw when I was looked at, like, I was looking at, like, quarterbacks and, like, the stats and everything. I was like, who's been sacked the most? Who's been under duress? Ryan Tannehill's been sacked the most through through four weeks. 17, huh. 17 sacks. Uh, Zach Wilson's been sacked 16 times. Derek Carr has been Baker Mayfield. And Justin Fields have all been sacked 12 times. And Justin Fields only so played despite, in two games. Despite only playing in two games, he has been sacked the most. He's been sacked the third most of any quarterback so far, which I thought was absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I just don't like this the way this Lions team is built. I mean, Penny Sewell has looked like a really good pick, um, but Jared Goff has kind of, his true colors are shown. And I, I liked Jared Goff with a great coach. The problem is, is like, Jared Goff, when he played for the Rams, was bad with Eric Fisher, and then McVay kind of came in and saved him. Yeah. And Jeff Fisher. What did I say, Eric Fisher? Every single time we bring him up. I don't know why we do this to this poor guy. Uh, Eric Fisher has not ever coached the Rams, to be clear. Definitely not. um, I just don't think – I think with bad coaching, I think Jared Goff is is a bad quarterback. I think with great coaching, he's an okay quarterback. He's mediocre. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's who he is. And I don't know if this offense—I don't look at the Detroit Lions and go, "Wow, that's an offensive-minded." That's a juggernaut team. of a team, right? Yeah. So I think he'll be bad. I think that's going to be consistent. I mean, if they win four games, I think that's a great season that's for him. Yeah, honestly, but it's not because that means you're probably not getting the number one overall pick, which is a loss. Which is a loss. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, my hot take for the week, and this one's a little sizzling here: Mac Jones will end up winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. I believe it. So, I think this game is a sprint. I know they didn't win, but I think this has boosted his confidence. He can sit back and go, holy cow, I went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady. There is only one thing that gives you more confidence than he currently has, and that's if Bill Belichick lets him go for it on fourth and three. Yeah. That is the only thing that would ever make his confidence any higher. Everything else he has done... And done well. We're one and three. I think at this point, it's just gonna we're gonna let it loose. Like you got to, you have nothing to lose at this point because yeah. you're not gonna be any worse than you are. You know what I mean? So I can see him kind of letting him sling the rock a little bit more, get get a little bit more open, do do some more exciting things. Yeah, I gotta so, open the playbook up a little bit here. I think I think this is a good confidence gilder. I think the reason they were so restricted was because of this game week four, and now that this game we're kind of over that hump. Uh, I think uh, I think Belichick always gets better later in the year. He understands what Mac Jones is going to do well. I think I look out for this guy to to be rookie offensive rookie of the year. I could definitely see it. It's also being a quarterback definitely never hurts you in the long run when it comes to winning those awards. Um, he's looked good. Like we said, if there's any quarterback that's going to touch any type of award towards the end of the year, um, I definitely think Mac Jones is the quarterback that's going to be. Uh, a guy that snags an award. So, two two rookie hot takes this week. I know. Both we're, of us. We're all about the rookies this week. Which is funny because you picked Jamar Chase as your offensive rookie of the year and he was my hot take and then you picked Mac Jones. I picked Mac Jones and then uh, yeah. he was your hot take. That, so. is, that is kind of funny. How about the turnaround? Alright. How about me also putting my stuff on the script for once? Yeah. So, I know. That is nice. So now I can actually like <laughs> know what Owen's going to say going into this segment which is nice. I almost like having it to where you can't see it but... Gives you a little bit of extra, 
I'm just always scared you're going to talk about somebody and I'm going to be like, who the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I, I talk about Javon Hargrave and you're like, I am not even paying attention. I don't attention. know, yeah. <laughs> I feel that way whenever we talk about college football. I'm like Googling guys. I'm like, I don't know who the hell. Like, <laughs> if you are not projected to be a top five, if you don't play for Syracuse University, Kansas State University, or you're not going to be, you're not projected to be one of the top five quarterbacks drafted next year, I have no idea who the hell you are in college yeah, football. I mean, that's fair. And I will learn about you as soon as you are projected to be a first round pick. That is when I will get to know you. Besides you that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who any of these college guys are. Fair enough. All right, let's jump into Pump the Brakes. Um, we are running a little bit tight on time, so we might try to clean this up a little bit. We, I'll keep it clean. I'll keep yeah. it short for you. Okay, so number one. The Rams won the trade with the Lions. I'm going to pump the brakes. So wow. Far. Yeah. Surprising answer. When I look at what they gave up to get Matthew Stafford in the first place, I'm thinking when I look at what they gave up plus where they already were at, they were mm-hmm. already down a couple first-round picks from deals that they've made. They're already strapped for cash in the long run. If they do not win a Super Bowl, they lose this trade in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they haven't won a Super Bowl yet. It's definitely way too early to tell. But as of right now, I'm going to pump the brakes just because if they don't win the Super Bowl, I think they lose this trade, which they've got a two- to three-year window to do it. But obviously through four games, there's no Super Bowl that's been played yet. If Jared Goff continues on the path that he's on right now, I don't think it matters what the Rams do. I think Jared Goff will look so bad that they'll be like, okay, yeah, they had to have won this trade. Fair enough. I, I didn't even when I was looking at this. I Jared Goff was right side. I'm like he doesn't even exist. So like yeah, like I think Jared Goff has looked bad enough to be like, wow, they were doing that with that guy who looks like this now. You know what I mean? I think I think that's why the Rams I think have a really good chance of winning this no matter if they. He was a former won. number one overall pick, wasn't he? He was. Yep, that's he was, crazy. He was first in in his class. How about the second quarterback off the board that year? So great. Carson Wentz. Yeah, what a horrible quarterback class. <laughs> what a great one and two pick. All right. Uh, remind me after the show, that's a debate I want to have next week. We're going to talk about that. Ooh, okay. I, just, I had an idea come to me. I don't want to say it yet. Okay. The Jets won't finish last in the AFC East. Oh, I'm pumping the brakes. <laughs> Huge. I'm slamming them. I'm, I'm going to ruin my brake pads with how hard I'm hitting them right now. <laughs> um, as good as they may have looked in the win over the Titans and – the the Patriots are also one and three. I'm I'm still betting on Bill Belichick finishing better than the Jets in the long run. Um, also, the Titans did lose to the Jets, but when you look at everyone that was out on the field in that game, Corey Davis was the best receiver on the field. Yeah, uh, AJ Brown and Julio were both out <coughs> injured. Um, I don't know why the Titans didn't just run it down the Jets' throats in the long run. Yeah, it made no sense to me. But it is what it is. Both teams are 1-3, and three, but I still think the Jets finished dead last in that division. So Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots are oh, all 1-3. and three. I forgot about the Dolphins being in the division. So, like, if the Dolphins don't pull it together here, you very well could see... I, I, I don't think it's a crazy one, believe it or not. Actually, should... yeah, that's not really as hot as I thought it was. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of people, you initially hear that in your mind. You're like, no fucking way. Like yeah, you're like, there's yeah. no way that's true. There's really a chance to have four or four wins or less on three of those teams going into the end of the year. Absolutely, very, definitely a possibility. Very real possibility. In the long run, I still think the Jets finish last. I like Robert Salah. I think he's going to be a good coach. But as of right now, I'm not going to put him above Brian Flores or Bill Belichick. Yeah, and I think I don't think that's unfair. I think they they probably still do finish last. Maybe it's close with the Dolphins. Yeah. All right, the Falcons and the Lions will draft a QB this year. This is tough. 
I paired these two together on purpose to make it harder. Yeah, you definitely did because each of their quarterbacks aren't the worst quarterbacks in the league currently. They're both still on substantial contracts where they're both making a decent amount of money. But also, you're kind of in this perfect window where you can take a guy in the first round, bench him for a year, and then bring him out. But that also doesn't happen if you take a guy at one and two, like Sam Darnold. Or not Sam. Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold didn't sit any games. Um, Jared Goff didn't sit games, and Carson Wentz didn't sit games to start. I think both these teams are going to finish in the top five. I think it's inevitable that one of these. T- I think one of these two teams finishes with the number one overall pick. I think. Okay. Um, if they don't, they. I think they both have to finish top five in the long run. So it's very weird because, like, I mean, the Niners are doing it with Trey Lance, but I. I don't. When's the last time a quarterback was taken number one overall and set for the first year? First year. I mean, they always say, "Oh, we're going to do it. We're not going to. This guy's not going to play." Like and week the, four, he's and in. then yeah, like Baker Mayfield played immediately. Like they're, they're very rarely does. This actually stick for a team. Yeah. Um, I think both teams will draft a quarterback. I'm going to pump the brakes because I think I think they both should. I do think that that's the move they should make. I'm betting on one of these teams being stupid and not doing it. Okay. That's that's why I'm going to pump the brakes on that one. Because I do think the Falcons should have taken a quarterback last year as well. We talked about it in the previous episode. So I'm going to pump the brakes because I'm not going to – I'm not going to sit here and tell you that – the Lions and the Falcons are competently ran franchises. That's fair. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, I the Bills will get the first seed in the AFC this year. I'm gonna I'm gonna not pump the brakes. I'm gonna roll with it. I yeah. think they're on a roll right now. They've played extremely well. They should be four and zero. They're currently three and one. The Chiefs haven't looked great. The Ravens have stumbled through certain games. The Browns have stumbled at certain points during the year. Nobody else really sticks out. Now, does that mean that they're a Super Bowl favorite? I wouldn't 100 percent say that out the gate either. But we all know that the one seed doesn't always mean you're going to the Super Bowl. Right. It does mean that, that that conference will run through Buffalo. You will play two games in Buffalo in the playoffs. But that doesn't mean they're Super Bowl favorites. But right now, I do think they finish as the number one seed going into the playoffs. They out of like if you gave me the top talented teams in the AFC, they have the best record out of them right now, and they're off to the best start. They still should definitely be four and zero without question. But yeah. three and one is is good enough. And if they just maintain this level of success, and they'll get better as the year goes on. Yeah, Stephon Diggs is not played well through four games, and that's not something that's going to stick for a while. So. Right, and their division looks horrible. Yeah, like the Jets don't look great, the Dolphins it's don't six look great, games. and the Patriots don't look great either. So, I mean, watch out for this. These guys very well could finish. In the have they played? Team. They played the Dolphins. They have not played the Patriots yet. They have not played the Patriots. They played the Jets already. They haven't played the Jets yet either. I don't think so. so they have five free wins still sitting on the board at three and one. Yeah, they haven't played the Patriots and the Jets yet, so yeah. They, and they've still got a game against the Dolphins after beating them thirty-five nothing week two. They play the Chiefs next week, the Titans, so it gets tough there. But then, like the rest of the year, they really don't play. Uh, like they have two tough weeks coming up. So let's say they make it out of there, they lose to the Chiefs, and they win to the Titans. They very well could win the next games and finish fifteen and two. Wow. Because, like, it, it's quite lit. Like, when I say it gets weak, it's Dolphins, Jags, Jets, Colts, Saints, Patriots. Okay, the Bucks are in there, too. Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, Jets. Yeah, I see them. 14-3, and 3, Worst case scenario, they're losing four games. Yeah. Like, they're finishing 13-4, which is insane to think about. Which but. could still be, a, uh, you know, the top seed right now. I, mean, I think it The Chiefs be. already have lost two games, so. Yeah. All right. Next one we got here. Hollywood Brown is a top ten wide receiver in the NFL. 
top ten receiver in the NFL? In the NFL. Hell no. Pump the brakes. Let's calm down. First of all, he's currently tenth in the league in receiving yards. Mm -hmm. He should be, like, fifth. He dropped two bombs against Detroit. I don't know. He went to Detroit and, like, left his hands in Baltimore. I don't know what happened. He could not catch a cold on a winter's day when he played in Detroit. Uh, He's looked a lot better. He's taken a step. I would say that, like, it's because we have receivers around him, but Rashad Bateman hasn't played a game. Miles Boykin hasn't played a game. The main thing that I see with Hollywood, ever since they got to the playoffs last year, he's taken an extra step. Hollywood was an animal through the two games that they played in the postseason last year, and he's continued the streak. The, the Detroit game was the only one where he's really stumbled. He had a ridiculous diving catch in Denver. I about lost my mind when he caught that ball in the end zone against Denver. Um, he should have had two catches like that against Detroit as well that he didn't. But I'm definitely not willing to say that he's a top receiver I'm not even going to consider him a number one receiver on his team yet. Wow. Like, I think as of right now he is, but we haven't seen Rashad Bateman, who's taken in the first round, play. I, I think they've finally gotten to a point where there's enough talent around him where he'll be able to shine. So I think Rashad yeah. Bateman is helping him perform better. Um, I, I genuinely think there's some good projection for Hollywood Brown. Uh, I think I would think he was kind of a disappointment the first couple years of his 100% career. 100% a disappointment for the first two years. And I, think, I was disappointed. And I think this is I think this is a shot. I think this is the year that we really kind of see him take over and catch fire. So yeah. I, I'm just saying keep your eye on him. I hope that I'm wrong. That's what my my end statement on that one is. I hope that I am wrong. Alrighty. So we're just gonna jump right in to uh pick one. Okay. Um we obviously spent still more time on pump the brakes than we probably wanted to, but that's okay. It is what life, it is. Life happens. Okay. So for this one, we're gonna pick our own worst take okay. so far this year. Okay. I think my worst take right now is Derek Carr will turn in an MVP season. Oh, thank God you said that. Now, let me be clear. I don't think that that's a horrible take still. I think if it is a horrible take, it's because of the field that's around him. Everybody else has played extremely well. But also, <coughs> there's no other, none of my other hot takes that could really hit this spot. I said that Minnesota was the worst job in the NFL for head coaches or front offices. And then I, I went back and listened to all four of them. I don't have them on the script. I went back and listened to all four, and I yeah. was like, none of these other ones are even bad at all, or it's too early to tell. Yeah, none of them are, like, steaming hot. Yeah. I, yeah, I just think I think the problem I had with this take is Derek Carr's talent level compared to everybody else just isn't there against a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. He's still uh, in the league in passing yards, so, like, I don't think the dream is dead, but... The field is so talented. Yeah, there's so much talent around him that I just can't imagine him holding on to the spot. Um, for me, I went with the Eagles could take the NFC East. We kind of talked about it last week, but boy, does that look wrong. Yeah. What are they, 2-2 two and two now? 1-3? Yeah, 1-3. Pain. I was, uh, I was a believer. Jalen Hurts has done nothing but uh, let me down this entire time. So the second you said it, he was like, "Yeah, I don't feel like." He it. was like, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, he, I'm going to prove him wrong." I mean, they've had tough games, so I mean, there's still a shot they turn around. I don't even think they look like the second best team in that division now. I mean, somehow the the Washington football team still slinging it with Tyler Henneke. Yeah. So and that, the Giants haven't looked terrible. Yeah, they haven't looked good by any stretch. But we talked about Daniel Jones. Saquon's getting back to full health as of last week, and their defense has never been slouch. Yeah, you know, in the long run, either. So I don't know. That division might be a lot more competitive than we gave it credit for at the beginning of the year. It's true. For the next one, we're going to do 
pick the other's worst take. Okay. I, I mean, again, we're kind of harping on the same thing for each other here. I said the Raiders are a playoff team. I still think they might be, they're at best, the third best team in that division. And potentially the fourth. I mean, I don't like Denver that much, but with a healthy Teddy Bridgewater, like, I could see them being so safe that they don't throw any games. Yeah. Um, car, they, like, they have a chance to win eight games and finish last in the division. Like, that could really happen this year. Yeah. Which is insane to think you could go eight and nine and finish fourth because the, the, the Broncos could slip nine wins and still miss the playoffs. And then you have the Chargers and the Chiefs that will make it a double-digit wins. Yeah. So, uh, I picked, obviously, your take being the NFC East. I don't think any of either of us had really another take that stuck out. Like, no, not yet. I went back and looked at all three of yours, and I was like, none of these are really that... First of all, none of them are really bad, that in my opinion, and another one, I, none of them you could really tell. We'll do this again, uh, week eight, and I think it'll be a little bit more entertaining. I'm curious to see that. if the answers will change. Hopefully not. Well, I don't think the the Eagles one might be tough to overcome, but yeah, well, some of yours might change. I think. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, hopefully, I don't say anything that's worse than that. You know, that's, that's the <laughs> I don't hopefully. think. Well, today. Well, I mean, if Joe Burrow goes down by week eight, I guess mine will have to change. <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah probably will change, yeah. So, before we get into our previews for our last segment of the day, I uh, wanted to remind you all, make sure you all go watch Coach Prime in all access. Look at one of the greatest players and one of the biggest icons in NFL history in his first season as a college football head coach. Um, in the six-episode documentary series, they follow Deion Sanders in his mission to level the playing field between HBCUs and Power 5 programs. It's prime like you've never seen prime before. Only on Barstool Sports, presented by Chevy Silverado. Nice. So, um, he'll end up coaching. In a, if he wants a Power 5 job, he'll get a Power 5 he job. He could have got a Power 5 job out the gate. I'm curious to see if he's sticking with this mission and like kind of how the mission itself goes, yeah. let alone outside of him. There's been a lot of talk around that, around football and basketball. Mikey Williams, who's been at the top like as a spotlighted basketball player since he was like in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. He's talked about going to an HBCU. So so there's winds of change. We'll see. I'm curious to see how much things change and also how long he stays on that mission path as well outside of a Power 5 program. Yeah. So preview for week four, what do we got? Uh, we're going to just start off, I mean, we're going to be basic white girls here, um, talk about the NFC West, uh, Rams, Seahawks, Thursday Night Football, actually a good game on Thursday Night Football for you How about it? Love to see that. Um, I think it's definitely kind of a limits test for the Rams, they got to bounce back after obviously a tough loss to the Cardinals. Granted, it is probably the weakest team in that division, unless we see a quarterback change from San Francisco, that definitely... Uh, could shake things up in the long run as well, but I'm curious to watch this game. I think it's going to be a good one on Thursday night. It's definitely the best Thursday night game we've had so far. So we talked about how every team could go three and three in this division, mm-hmm. and we're already shaping up. I mean, the Seahawks beat the 49ers last week, so yep. if this let's say the Seahawks get hot and win this game, it could mean a lot. And for the Rams, it could mean a lot by losing another game, going down, dropping down to three and two. So. I think there's a lot on the line for both teams here. I mean, obviously the Rams are going to be favorites going into it, but it, it could be a, a very intriguing game to say the very least. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100% agree. Next game I've got is the Packers and the Bengals. Which is ridiculous that we're going to say that, that that's a, a game that we feel like we need to watch, but the Bengals are 3-1, and one, and the Packers have had their surprises. So... It'll be definitely be interesting in the long run to see how that game plays out. 
to watch Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow go at it. Um, I think Zadarius Smith will be healthy for this game, maybe. Don't quote me on that. I thought I saw the Packers activated him from IR. So Packers pass rush getting back at full strength definitely could be an issue for a team that didn't take Penny Sewell at pick five. Yeah. And I think if the Bengals win this game, it might push them into a real playoff conversation. They are they they are have a chance of the AFC North if they can beat the Packers. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I honestly coming into the year, I thought that they would finish better than the Steelers in the long run. Outside of barring a Joe Burrow injury, which obviously not taking Sewell was like a big what if at that point. But I didn't like the Steelers a lot, and I thought the Bengals were wildly slept on just because of, like, oh, they were so bad last year. I was like, yeah, Joe Burrow didn't play half the year. Right, yeah. He was an animal through the first six, seven weeks before he went down. So definitely going to be a game to watch, I think. Uh, Browns-Chargers is the next one. Obvious reasons. I mean, Chargers coming off a big win against the Raiders. Yeah. Um, We really haven't been talking about the Browns that much this year. Uh, The Browns have looked good. They're still 3-1. Obviously, that one loss being to Kansas City, where they had the lead, and Patrick Mahomes completed the comeback to go over them. Um, It's the Browns. Um, Anything is possible. They've taught us that time and time again, and if the Arizona Cardinals didn't exist, the Chargers are the hottest team in football right now. Being 3-1, knocking off the Chiefs, and then knocking off the 3-0 Raiders. Still an accomplishment nonetheless. So definitely going to be another game that I think is going to be very, very interesting. And has a lot of playoff implications between two teams that should make the playoffs. These are two teams that could very well play each other in the playoffs. These are two teams that, honestly, at this point in time, have a shot at their division, respectively. Yeah. Um, Bills Chief, Sunday Night Football. I think it very well could... Uh, this, this game matters for tiebreakers for the first seed. Yeah. I could see the Chiefs and the Bills ending up kind of in the same category. Um, you know what I mean? At that 14 and... Uh, what is it now? 14 and 3. Yeah. Somewhere in that realm. Um, so I think this game's going to matter for a tiebreaker. And, I mean, we said it earlier. If the Bills want to be considered legit, you got to win this game. you got to beat the Chiefs. Especially right now. Even with a, a beaten and battered 2-2 two and two Chiefs team, you have this is a statement game. I need a 14-point or more win from Buffalo tonight. And, and the Chiefs are down. And if you want to beat, like, if you really want to put them in the dirt, and, I mean, this could be the year that the Chiefs are a wild card team like, coming into the playoffs. Yeah, this is... As, as weak as this Chiefs team looks and is the worst that they've looked under the Patrick Mahomes era, this is still the biggest statement win that you could possibly have if you're Buffalo. Absolutely. And I know that when it comes down to the end of the year and you're the one seed and the Chiefs maybe the two or the three are, they slip into the wild card, this is still the game that people are like, oh, they were 2-2, two and two, the defense wasn't playing well, Patty was some like, we'll get a report halfway through the year that Patrick Mahomes has been playing on a sprained ankle the entire year all of a sudden. Like, Tyreek Hill was... I know that people are going to put the asterisk next to this game. You have to go out there and do everything you possibly can and literally just beat the shit out of the Chiefs. Yeah. Because people are going to throw the asterisk there regardless, and the bigger the margin of win is, the smaller the asterisk becomes. The thing that intrigues me the most about the Bills is this, like, they don't really have a great running back, and outside of... uh, Oh my gosh, why am I playing? Stefan Diggs, sorry. Outside of Stefan Diggs, they like they really don't have this huge weapon. I mean, they have Cole Beasley who's having a pretty solid year. It's yeah, it is very weird because like Emmanuel Sanders is having an okay year. Stefan Diggs is that should be that weapon, but he has not played well. And then you look at the other receivers that are on their roster, 
Stephon Diggs is still 13th in the league for receiving yards. He had a breakout <coughs> last week. Not terrible. Emmanuel Sanders sitting at 23rd. He has just under 300 yards. And then we talk about Cole Beasley, who revitalized his career last year, being the second receiver behind Diggs uh, in Buffalo. So they have a decent trio of receivers. It's The Chiefs' defense has not played well. You have to. If the Buffalo Bills do not score at least 35, I will be disappointed okay. in the long run. Yeah. I think that has got to be. That has got to be. Honestly, 40 is the goal. So when I fall a little bit short, I'm okay with it. 40's got to be the goal because they have three guys that are over 200 receiving yards. And the running back committee thing hasn't worked. I mean, it hasn't been too bad. Devin Singletary has played well, and Zach Moss had a really, really good game last week. Yeah, so it, it yeah it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been bad either. So yeah. if they can sustain the success, like who knows, maybe it'll work. And it's kind of banking on the talent of Josh Allen. Like we're saying Josh Allen is so talented that he's going to be able to take a lot of these okay pieces around him and make this offense good enough. And, and so far it's been good. Great test for that is always the Chiefs offense, right? Yeah. Keep up with them. Good game. Last game we got here is the 49ers and Cardinals. Definitely another game has a lot of playoff implications, has yeah. a lot of implications as to how that division finishes out as well. The NFC West, we talk about them as the chippiest division in the, in, in the league. Uh, the Cardinals trying to stay undefeated. Uh, they have the Niners this week. They have the Browns next week as well. So you definitely can't look ahead to the Browns because the Niners are still a very talented team. I think the biggest thing that impacts this game is who – is a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. At this point, we're recording this on Tuesday. Yep. At this point, they haven't ruled out Jimmy G yet. They said they're going to evaluate him throughout the week and kind of see what happens there. Um, if Trey Lance gets in and plays, I think it'll be interesting. And I think if Jimmy G's interest plays, it's interesting because the 49ers have a chance to win it. Yeah. So either way, it's, it's going to be a good game. The Niners have a chance to win it regardless, but it's with Trey Lance, it's like, does he give the game away? Because I feel like he may give them a better shot at winning, but also really? he gives them a better shot of losing at the same time. Right. Well, if I, that I, makes sense. If, if you're gonna, if Trey Lance is playing, I think their chances of winning goes down substantially. But I think the game's more entertaining because Trey Lance is gonna probably make a couple plays that make you go, "Wow, wow, yeah." There's a reason this guy went at three overall. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, that's I think all we got for this week. episode four. Not bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, excited to get back. Uh, try some new things next week. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll review the, the five games we talked about just there at the end. And I'm curious to see how bad our our awards and our hot takes look by the end of the year as well. End of the year. Yeah, it'll be nice to kind of come back and, and wrap back into this yeah, segment. I'm so glad that you save all of them. I've never saved any of the scripts, really, from any past shows, whether it's this show or, like, any show I've done before. So having, like, the archive of all the shows is going to be really nice to look back at at the end of the year. So I'm excited. Do you have anything else for us? We're done? We're good? I think we're good. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Piss Warm Takes and... Owen underscore Burke, per usual. Um, two of the two of the better usernames on Twitter, obviously. Obviously, there's one of those that are better than the other one. I'm not gonna, <laughs> we don't have to nitpick which yeah. one which, but... We don't got to get into details like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, big shout out to the fans. Thank you guys as well if you guys made it this far. Let me know what you thought. I mean, if you listen to all hour 30, hour 40 of us... You gotta have some type of comments, concerns, questions. Yeah, let us know. Call us idiots. I don't care what it is. Just let me know. Yeah, I'm curious to see what what you guys' thoughts are. So DM me on Twitter, uh, text me, hit Shay up. He'll get the message to me. Do whatever you got to do. But I want to hear from you guys. Uh, other than that, we'll see you guys next week, week five. See, see you later. See you later. <laughs>